the second half of chapter two of the graveyard book by Neil Gaiman. Scarlet was carrying a large picture book, and she sat next to her mother on the green bench near the gates, and she read her book while her mother inspected an educational supplement. She enjoyed the spring sunshine, and she did her best to ignore the small boy who waved at her first from behind an ivy-covered monument. Then, when she had resolved to no longer look at the monument, the boy popped up, literally, like a jack-in-a-box, from behind a tombstone, Joji G. Shoji, Death, 1921, I was a stranger and you took me in. He gestured towards her fran frantically. She ignored him. Eventually, she put her book down on the bench. Mummy, I'm going for a walk now. Stay on the path, dear. She stayed on the path until she was round the corner and she could see Bod waving at her from further up the hill. She made a face at him. I found things out, said Scarlet. Me too, said Bod. There were people before the Romans, she said. Way back. They lived, I mean, when they died, they put them underground in these hills with treasure and stuff, and they were called barrows. Oh, right, said Bod. That explains it. Do you want to come and see one? Now, Scarlet looked doubtful. You don't really know where one is, do you? And you know I can't always follow you where you go. She had seen him slip through walls like a shadow. In reply, he held up a large, rusted iron key. This was in the chapel, he said. It should open most of the gates up there. They used the same key for all of them. It was less work. She scrambled up the hillside beside him. You're telling the truth? He nodded, a pleased smile dancing at the corners of his lips. Come on, he said. It was a perfect spring day, and the air was alive with birdsong and bee hum. The daffodils bustled in the breeze, and here and there on the side of the hill, a few early tulips nodded. A blue powdering of forget-me-nots and fine, fat, yellow primroses punctuated the green of the slope as the two children walked up the hill toward the Frobisher's little mausoleum. It was old and simple in design, a small, forgotten stone house with a metal gate for a door. Bod unlocked the gate with his key, and they went in. "'It's a hole,' said Bod, or, or a door, behind one of the coffins. They found it behind a coffin on the bottom shelf, a simple crawl space." "'Down there,' said Bod. "'We go down there.' Scarlet found herself suddenly enjoying the adventure rather less. She said, "'We can't see down there. It's dark.' "'I don't need light,' said Bod. "'Not while I'm in the graveyard.' "'I do,' said Scarlet. "'It's dark.' Bod thought about the reassuring things that he could say, like, "'There's nothing bad down there.' But the tales of hair turning white and people never returning meant that he could not have said them with a clear conscience. So he said, "'I'll go down. You wait for me up here.' Scarlet frowned. "'You shouldn't leave me,' she said. "'I'll go down,' said Bod, "'and I'll see who's there, and I'll come back and tell you all about it.' He turned to the opening, bent down, and clambered through on his hands and knees. He was in a space big enough to stand up in, and he could see steps cut into the stone. "'I'm going down the steps now,' he said. "'Do they go a long way?' "'I think so. "'If you held my hand and—' "'And told me where I was walking,' she said. "'Then I could come with you, if you make sure I'm okay.' "'Of course,' said Bod. "'And before he had finished speaking, "'the girl was coming through the hole on her hands and her knees. "'You can stand up,' Bod told her. "'He took her hand. "'The steps are just here. "'If you put a for foot forward, you can find it. "'There. Now I'll go first. "'Can you really see?' she asked. "'It's dark,' said Bod. "'But yeah, I can see.' 
He began to lead Scarlet down the steps deep into the hill and to describe what he saw to her as they went. It steps down, he said, made of stone, and, and there's stone all above us. Someone's painted a painting on the wall. Well, what kind of painting? A big, hairy sea is for cow, I think, with horns, and something that's more like a pattern, like a big knot. It's sort of carved in the stone, too, not just painted, see? And he took her fingers and placed them onto the carved knotwork. I can feel it, she said. Now the steps are getting bigger. We're coming out into some kind of big room now, but the steps are still going. Don't move. Okay, now I'm between you and the room. Keep your left hand on the wall. They kept going down. One more step and we're on the rock floor, said Vod. It's a bit uneven. The room was small. There was a slab of stone on the ground and a low ledge in one corner with some small objects on it. There were bones on the ground, very old bones indeed, although below where the steps entered the room Bod could see a crumpled corpse, dressed in the remains of a long brown coat, the young man who had dreamed of riches, Bod decided. He must have slipped and fallen in the dark. The noise began all about them. A rustling slither, like a snake twining through dry leaves. Scarlet's grip on Bod's hand was harder. What's that? Do you see anything? No. Scarlet made a noise that was half gasp and half wail, and Bod saw something, and he knew without asking that she could see it too. There was a light at the end of the room, and in the light a man came walking, walking through the rock, and Bod heard Scarlet choking back a scream. The man looked well-preserved, but still like something that had been dead for a long while. His skin was painted, Bod thought, or, or tattooed, Scarlet thought, with purple designs and patterns. Around his neck hung a necklace of sharp, long teeth. "'I am the master of this place,' said the figure, in words so ancient and guttural that they were scarcely words at all. "'I guard this place from all who would harm it.' His eyes were huge in his head. Bod realized it was because he had circles drawn around them in purple, making his face look like an owl's. "'Who are you?' asked Bod. He squeezed Scarlet's hand as he said it. The indigo man did not seem to have heard the question. He looked at them fiercely. "'Leave this place!' he said in words that Bod heard in his head, words that were also a guttural growl. "'Is he going to hurt us?' asked Scarlet. "'I don't think so,' said Bod. Then to the indigo man he said, as he had been taught, I have the freedom of the graveyard, and I may walk where I choose. There was no reaction to this by the indigo man, which puzzled Bod even more, because even the most irritable inhabitants of the graveyard had been calmed by the statement. Bod said, Scarlet, can you see him? Of course I can see him. He's a big, scary, tattooy man, and he wants to kill us. Bod, make him go away. Bod looked at the remains of the gentleman in the brown coat. There was a lamp beside him, broken on the rocky floor. He ran away, said Bod aloud. He ran because he was scared, and he slipped, or he tripped on the stairs, and he fell off. Who did? The man on the floor. Scarlet sounded irritated now, as well as puzzled and scared. What man on the floor? It's too dark. The only man I can see is that tattooy man. And then, as if to make quite sure that they knew that he was there, the indigo man threw back his head and let out a series of yodeling screams, a full-throated ululation that made Scarlet grip Bod's hand so tightly that her fingernails pressed into his flesh. Bod was no longer scared, though. I'm sorry. I said they were I said that they were imaginary. Said Scarlet. I believe now they're real. 
The indigo man raised something over his head. It looked like a sharp stone blade. All who invade this place will die, he shouted in his guttural speech. Bod thought about the man whose hair had turned white after he had discovered the chamber, how he would never return to the graveyard or speak of what he had seen. No, said Bod. I think you're right. I think this one is. Is what? Imaginary. Don't be stupid, said Scarlet. I can see it. Yes, said Bod. And you can't see dead people. He looked around the chamber. You can stop now, he said. We know it's not real. I will feast on your livers, screamed the indigo man. No, you won't, said Scarlet with a huge sigh. Bod's right, then she said. I think maybe it's a scarecrow. What's a scarecrow? asked Bod. It's a thing farmers put in fields to scare crows. Why would they do that? Bod quite liked crows. He thought they were funny, and he liked the way they helped to keep the graveyard tidy. I don't know exactly. I'll ask Mummy. But I saw one from a train, and I asked what it was. Crows think it's a real person. It's just a made-up thing that looks like a person, but it's not. It's just to scare the crows away. Bod looked around the chamber. He said, Whoever you are, it isn't working. It doesn't scare us. We know it isn't real. Just, just stop. The indigo man stopped. It walked over to the rock slab, and it lay down on it. Then it was gone. For Scarlet, the chamber was once more swallowed by the darkness. But in the darkness, she could hear the twining sound again, getting louder and louder, as if something were circling the round room. Something said, We are the Sleer. The hairs on the back of Bod's neck began to prickle. The voice in his head was something very old and very dry, like the scraping of a dead twig against the window of the chapel, and it seemed to Bod that there was more than one voice there, that they were talking in unison. "'Did you hear that?' he asked Scarlet. "'I didn't hear anything, just a slithery noise. It made me feel strange, all prickly in my tummy, like something horrible is going to happen.' "'Nothing horrible is going to happen,' said Bod. Then to the chamber he said, "'What are you?' "'We are the Sleer. We guard and we protect.' Well, "'What do you protect?' "'The resting place of the Master. "'This is the holiest of all holy places, and it is guarded by the Sleer.' "'You can't touch us,' said Bod. "'All you can do is scare.' The twining voices sounded petulant. "'Fear is a weapon of the Sleer.' Bod looked down at the ledge. Are those the treasures of your master? An old brooch, a cup, and a little stone knife? They don't look like much. The Sleer guards the treasures. The brooch, the goblet, the knife. We guard them for the master when he returns. It comes back. It always comes back. How many of you are there? But the Sleer said nothing. The inside of Bod's head felt as if he were filled with cobwebs, and he shook it, trying to clear it. Then he squeezed Scarlet's hand. We should go, he said. He led her past the dead man in the brown coat, and honestly, thought Bod, if he hadn't got scared and fallen, the man would have been disappointed in his hunt for treasure. The treasures of ten thousand years ago were not the treasures of today. Bod led Scarlet carefully up the steps, through the hill, into the jutting black masonry of the Frobisher Mausoleum. Late spring sunlight shone through the breaks in the masonry and through the barred door, shocking in its brightness, and scarlet blinked and covered her eyes at the suddenness of the glare. Birds sang in the bushes, a bumblebee droned past, everything was surprising in its normality. 
Bod pushed open the mausoleum door and then locked it again behind them. Scarlet's bright clothes were covered in grime and cobwebs, and her dark face and hands were pale with dust. Further down the hill, somebody, quite a few somebodies, was shouting, shouting loudly, shouting frantically. Someone called, Scarlet! Scarlet Perkins! And Scarlet said, Yes? Hello? And before she and Bod had a chance to discuss what they had seen or to talk about the Indigo Man, there was a woman in a fluorescent yellow jacket with police on the back, demanding to know if she was okay and where she had been, and if someone had tried to kidnap her. And then the woman was talking on a radio, letting them know that the child had been found. Bod slipped along beside them as they walked down the hill. The door to the chapel was open, and inside both of Scarlet's parents were waiting— her mother in tears, her father worriedly talking to people on a mobile phone along with another policewoman. No one saw Bod as he waited in the corner. The people kept asking Scarlet what had happened to her, and she answered as honestly as she could, told them about a boy called Nobody who took her deep inside a hill where a purple tattoo man appeared in the dark, but he was really a scarecrow. They gave her a chocolate bar and they wiped her face and asked if the tattooed man had ridden a motorbike. And Scarlet's mother and father, now that they were relieved and not afraid of her any longer, were angry with themselves and with her. And they told each other that it was the other one's fault for letting their little girl play in a cemetery, even if it was a nature reserve. And that the world was a very dangerous place these days, and if you didn't keep your eyes on your children every second, you could not imagine what awful things they could be plunged into, especially a child like Scarlet. Scarlet's mother began sobbing, which made Scarlet cry, and one of the policewomen got into an argument with Scarlet's father, who tried to tell her that he, as a taxpayer, paid her wages, and she told him that she was a taxpayer too, and probably paid his wages, while Bod sat in the shadows in the corner of the chapel, unseen by anyone, not even Scarlet, and watched and listened until he could take no more. It was twilight in the graveyard by now and Silas came and found Bod up near the amphitheater, looking out over the town. He stood beside the boy, and he said nothing, which was his way. "'It wasn't her fault,' said Bod. "'It was mine, and now she's in trouble.' "'Where did you take her?' asked Silas. "'Into the middle of the hill, to see the oldest grave. Only there isn't anybody in there, just a snaky thing called a sleer who scares people.' "'Fascinating.' They walked back down the hill together, watched as the old chapel was locked up once more and the police and Scarlet and her parents went off into the night. "'Miss Barrows will teach you joined-up letters,' said Silas. "'Have you read The Cat in the Hat yet?' "'Yes,' said Bod. "'Ages ago. Can you bring me more books?' "'I expect so,' said Silas. "'Do you think I'll ever see her again?' "'The girl?' "'I very much doubt it. "'But Silas was wrong.' Three weeks later, and on a grey afternoon, Scarlet came to the graveyard, accompanied by both her parents. They insisted that she remain in sight at all times, although they trailed a little behind her. Scarlet's mother occasionally exclaimed about how morbid this all was, and how fine and good it was that they would soon be leaving it behind forever. When Scarlet's parents began to talk to each other, Bod said, "'Hello?' "'Hi,' said Scarlet, very quietly." I didn't think I'd see you again. I told them I wouldn't go with them unless they brought me back here one last time. Go where? Scotland. There's a university there, for Dad to teach particle physics. They walked on the path together, a small girl in a bright orange anorak, and a small boy in a grey winding sheet. Is Scotland a long way away? 
Yes, she said. Oh. I hoped you'd be here. To say goodbye. I'm always here. But you aren't dead, are you, nobody Owens? Of course not. Well, you can't stay here all your life. Can you? One day you'll grow up, and then you'll have to go and live in the world outside. He shook his head. It's not safe for me out there. Who says? Well, Silas. My family. Everybody. She was silent. Her father called. Scarlet, come on, love. Time to go. You've had your last trip to the graveyard. Now let's go home. Scarlet said to Bod. You're brave. You're the bravest person I know, and you're my friend. I don't care if you are imaginary. Then she fled down the path, back the way they had come, to her parents and the world.